I'm Christina. And I'm Megan. And this is The Aftermath of Sex. I'm a certified nurse midwife. And I'm a registered nurse. And this is not medical advice. Hey guys, Megan just told me I talk too much. <laughs> she, just, she just lied. She just opened her mouth and lied to other people. I was. I would never say that about you. I would. Why? I would say that. I don't <laughs> think you talk too much. I talk way too much. What do you mean? Nobody. What are you missing, I'm friend? Sorry. I, I know. I'm like, she's <laughs> freaking out as if she's being chased by a bee. No, I'm looking. What for is my happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> Something has gone awry. It's what gone. is going on today? It's gone. Oh, oh well, I guess the, I'll just have to do. The dog ate it, or? Oh, I hope not. I oh. just got that. Oh darn it! I, I can't say that I'll replace it. <laughs> no, don't. I just bought gonna, like it's got to be somewhere. What What do you do with it? It's okay. I'm not worried. But I just wanted to talk about the chapstick for a minute because you know you looked very worried. I know because I like I need some. But it's she's okay. touching herself. She's looking I, about. <laughs> she's just. <laughs> she's like, where is it? I am a really person. But you know, I actually went years without. I, I hope I don't get fired for this, but um, I went years without buying chapstick, right? Because the hospital has some. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. So when I had chap slips, I would get some from the hospital. Yeah. And so, but then something happened. What? I literally ran out of all the, I had zero chapstick for like two weeks. I don't even know what happened. So then I went out and I bought a whole lot. Yeah. Because I hate to run out of chapstick. Unless really? Unless it's a dry place. It, you know, it is. I can't tell you the last time I put chapstick on, though. Oh, that's probably, well, you know. I have it. luscious lips. You must stay hydrated. Although but I, I don't ever, I've never seen you drink water. So <laughs> <laughs> My body has just adjusted to no water in consumption. Yeah. No, I had like two bottles of water today already. Oh, Leave me alone good. about it, okay? I'm just looking at the other things. Well, uh, so I have coffee and soda right now. I am... Running on fumes. It's true. Darling daughter. I'm, I'm not judging you. You're not my darling daughter. I'm oh, not. wow. This is a situation. <laughs> oh, my. We're ridiculous. We are a hot mess yeah, on a good always. day. Yeah, like on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're still with us, we yeah. appreciate you. We do. We love you. We do love Thank you. you for supporting yeah, us. You guys are amazing. We love you so much. Thank you for submitting your stories. Yes. Keep them coming. Please. We want to keep you entertained with yourselves. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Keep them, keep them coming. The AOS at gmail.com. Nope. Let's start over. The AOS 401 at gmail.com yeah. or the preferred route would be www.theaos411.com. Yep. You can submit all your tales. All of the tales. Submit the questions, the tales, the worries, the, all of the things. All the things. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. <gasps> what? I caught my 500th baby. Is you that how did? You, yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. I've caught my 500th wow, baby. Wow. That is quite a milestone. 500. I know. It's amazing. You know, I heard. I feel somebody, so blessed. I know. That's really awesome. Yeah. Somebody, a, a doctor that you work with, somebody recently asked her. If Over 4,000. She, she said she didn't keep track. Maybe they asked her. Maybe I misheard. She said she didn't know that she lost track a long time ago. But she she lost has track. lost track, but I think she lost track at like 3,000 oh, some odd hundred. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So it's been over 4,000. She, sense. she has caught multiple generations yeah multiple. not two, not two. Yeah. but three right. generations yeah, of it. families yeah that's amazing i'm just gonna tell you that my 500 is no nothing compared to that however well, you just it's a started. it's a huge amount i will never reach that because i'm not gonna work that long oh i know i was to come back to work um but yeah um i was I was really happy about that. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, there'll definitely be two or 3,000 by the time you're done. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. And my my lovely mom makes 
a blanket for every hundredth baby. Oh, she does. So I get to give a blanket away to a beautiful baby boy. Oh my gosh, how yeah. sweet. That's Your so mom. fun. She's the best mom She's ever. Best. I love her so much. Yeah. Hi, mom. Hi, Rose. Because <laughs> we know she's listening. She's totally listening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, shall we? Yes. Okay. I am excited to talk about this because it's something that I have been talking about doing for some time now. Yes. Um, and I think it just impacts a lot of people. Yes. And it's so devastating. Yes. Um, for people. So we're gonna talk about infertility today. Who girl, you always love these big topics. Well, I'll and say I... this could have been a three-parter. I kept it to one. So this is gonna be very basic, but hopefully informative and yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe some. I think something. what happens is that we're going to just be able to go back and dive deeper and so. have deeper um, content yeah. for specific topics that yeah. people can search and identify, you know, their interests and stuff. I think so, yeah. too. So you probably have also had some personal experiences. I just have had people very, very close to me, you know, experience infertility. When I was having Makaya... Um, I have a cousin who really um, struggles with infertility. And at the time she had been trying to get pregnant for a very long time. Yeah. And I found out I was pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell my cousin? Yeah. And it was so heartbreaking. I actually took her out to breakfast. Oh my and gosh. And I told her because I just was so sad for her. Yeah. And thankfully she has a beautiful son now. Um, and I'm moving around the <laughs> microphone. Christina's looking at me all sided. Um, anyway, she has, um, yeah, she's been able to overcome that and hopefully is going to have another baby here. Oh, yeah, that's we'll wonderful. See. But it was, and then, yeah, anyway, it's just watching, and I have, you know, another dear friend who really suffered, and it's just very devastating mm -hmm. and um, affects a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, and there's not always a, like, a definitive reason. No. And that is the most challenging thing because it, it feels so uncontrollable. Yeah. And it's such a desire for so many yes. women. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a parent, you know, and that is something, you know, we all like, I don't know, when I was younger, I envisioned my life as a mom, you know, yeah. and it was just kind of the special thing I was looking yeah. forward to. And um, yeah, if you can't achieve that, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. You and know, it and almost, and it infiltrates all the parts of your life. Yeah. It affects your identity. It you really know. does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's talk more about it. Okay. Okay. So I am really glad that I waited until now to do this episode because there has been, if I would have done this four months ago, I would not have the most up-to-date research. So yeah. in April of this year, the World Health Organization released a 98-page publication. Oh, so this is my- You read the 98 pages. <laughs> no, this is like the PCOS <laughs> textbook. I did not read all of it, but I did try to get some good yeah. stuff. Yeah. I did use, this is my primary- Resource. Yeah. yeah. And it's in the show notes. Um, anyway, it's uh, entitled Infertility Prevalence Estimates from 1990 to 2021. Oh, so wow. 30 years. 30 years, yeah. Excellent. So according to the WHO and most other sources that you would The look WHO? At, like the, the who. show, the game, or the World Health Organization? The World Health Organization. I thought just... that was just obvious because <laughs> I already just said that. <laughs> I was just thinking of where's Waldo. Oh, oh Waldo. <laughs> yes, Waldo. Waldo comes back. Waldo comes back. Um, anyway, they define infertility. Um, it's a disease of the male or female reproductive system defined by the failure to achieve a pregnancy after 12 months or more of regular unprotected sexual intercourse. But a couple little things there. Let me add. Okay. So um, this is going to be different than uh, recurrent pregnancy loss. I'm not going to talk about recurrent pregnancy loss necessarily. Just but just couple. the inability this to is achieve the inability to achieve pregnancy. pregnancy. Big difference. Yeah, actually. Um. Although um, some of the causes can be related to both. I mean, yeah. they, they kind sure. of inter. They go hand in hand, but they're they not. Kind of, but they're not, not the same. same. They're not they're the same. And they're absolutely not the same. Yeah. Um. Did you have something? I feel like you were going to say something. 
Oh no. Oh, okay. The other thing is that um to <laughs> sorry, further the definition. I don't have it written right here. She's like, what were you gonna say? Just kidding. Let's move forward. Um, I have it written <laughs> down here somewhere, but I wanted to say if you are over the age of 35, yes, then it is six months. Yes, trying to get yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you're under it's under 35, yeah. it's 12 months with the inability to achieve pregnancy. And if you're over 35, it's six months. And this is active trying. Yes, this is actively so trying without any um, measures to prevent pregnancy or right. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So your your regular spousal unit sexual intercourse. Is yeah. What it says. So your spousal unit can't be deployed for five months, and right. then well, we've been trying for six months, but it's really only been one, one. because you haven't you know you haven't sure. really been trying exactly. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. clarifying that. Okay, I um this the this publication put out an executive executive summary, and I'm gonna summarize a bit. Stop. <laughs> the way in, your words today. I, I, I just have a, I have a hard time with words every day. I don't summary. know. Summary. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Okay. Here I okay. Am. Sorry. I'm here. I'm here for it. Okay. Hello. Um, it states, but I'm gonna summarize a little bit. So, but I think it's really profound. Let me just read it. Okay. Addressing infertility uh, is an important component of sexual and reproductive health and rights. It is central to achieving the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health and the ability to decide the number, timing, and spacing of one's children. Yeah. And in turn, this will ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all ages, as well as achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. And I just thought that was a yeah. pretty powerful kind of statement that the World yeah. Health Organization put out regarding infertility. And that was just recent. In April, that was published. I hope that the world hears this because, you. you know, insurance doesn't cover infertility. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's insane. I mean, some insurance covers it. Mm -hmm. It depends on what state you're in, but it's very mm -hmm. limited. And, you know, women... Yeah, it's really too bad. I mean, because this has to do with your reproductive It really, health. Like, really does issue i feel like a lot of things pertaining to women and women's health get ignored yeah mm -hmm. that's really too bad yeah, it really is well that's why we're doing this yes show. yes okay. um so according to this publication approximately 17.5 percent or about one to five to one one in five to six people yes have experienced infertility at some stage of their lives. Yeah. And this is globally. Yeah. So each region, I was going to put in all the different regions and I st and stuff, and it would just got too convoluted. Yeah. So I was like, let's just. There's talk a lot about of regions. The world. Yeah. And it, it is divided into like six or seven regions um, mm -hmm. that they kind of looked at. Mm -hmm. But um, in the Americas, so not in the, the US. US. Yeah. Because it's the Americas. Yeah. Um, lifetime infertility is about 20%. So one in five. Yeah. yeah. That's. I mean, that's, that's intense. a lot of people. A lot of people. I mean, you look around in a room full of individuals, that you know, yeah. And one five. You could be at a, in a restaurant and yeah. 20 of the people in there. I know. Are infertile. I know. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, the publication highlights to the fact that infertility does not discriminate when it comes to socioeconomic factors, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, in higher income countries, the number is 17.8%. And in low and middle income countries, it's 165 It's almost the same. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't care if you're yeah. rich or poor or yeah. if you have a place to live or you have a mansion. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't matter. Um, okay. This is funny. I was gonna She's so excited. Okay. okay. So you, you know, age ain't nothing but a number by Leah. Remember yeah. back in the days? Age ain't nothing but a number. Yeah. I know I had to, I was going to look at the lyrics. I did look at their lyrics and I was going to um, put some in here, but it just didn't fit. But the title <laughs> does. <laughs> and you do remember because you are younger than me. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, when it comes to age, my whole purpose of this, when it comes to age, um, and infertility, age is actually far more than a number. It yes. really has kind of a direct relationship yeah. to your risk of being yeah. infertile. So in women aged 15 to 34 years old, infertility rates range um, from 7.3 to 9.1%. Oh, that's not bad. Not too bad. Um, in women 35 to 39, 
the rate they'll increase to 25%. Oh, That's wow. A huge jump. Huge jump. And then 30% for women 40 to 44 years. Yeah. So really, you know, the older you are, the more at risk yeah. you are. And we'll talk a little bit more about why that is. But. Um, so there's two different types of infertility. Primary infertility is when a pregnancy has never been achieved yeah. by somebody. And secondary infertility is when at least one prior pregnancy has been achieved, but then difficulty achieving pregnancy. Again. Okay. I, re I remember my grandma had this friend, has this friend anyway, and she was only able to have one child and it wasn't her plan for her life. But I just remember um, just conversation about just really being thankful for, you know, yeah. what you have, because you just never know what's going to happen in mm -hmm. the future. You know? Yeah. Um, while infertility is experienced by both men and women, um, there are identifiable factors for both genders for the, but for the purposes of our discussion today, we're primarily going to talk about women. right, yeah, because this is a women's health show. Yeah, but I will talk a little snippet here and there. <clears throat> um, but it does affect both partners, and so I, I'll mention it again. But it's important that both partners get evaluated. Yeah, um, if you are experiencing this. So the National Institute of Health published an article just in December. There's just like lots of wow, new research. Stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. Um, and I got a lot of information from this article too. Um, so it just discusses that infertility um, is not just a disease with physical implications, mm -hmm. right? When you're talking about psychological, mental, spiritual effects, um, incredibly devastating. We yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a... <laughs> She's looking at me. I know because I have a word and I'm wondering if you know it. So I went to my nurses yeah. the other day and I was like, hey, I threw out this word. I was like, what do you guys know what this is? And nobody knew what it was. Oh man. Okay. Oh no. It's a, <laughs> it's a question. I never, I do not expect you to know this. Okay. Word. Okay. You may have learned it many years ago. Okay. I don't ever remember learning this word. Okay. Okay. Fecundability. Fecundability. F-E-C-U-N-D-A-bility. Fecundability. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard that? Fecundability. Nope. Okay. All right. Very good. Oh, well, we I don't, don't think so. Well, because we don't really use it very I often. I want to say that word more often. Fecundability. But fecundability yeah. makes me want to curse. Fecundability <laughs> of it all. Like, or it kind of What's the like, fecundability? Yeah. Or a Harry Potter uh, like spell. Fecundability. Ah. Fecundability, yeah, yes. Anyway. And then you flip a hat off or something. I don't yeah. know. Like, nope, it doesn't have anything to no. do with hats. No, but it is very important term to understand when discussing infertility because oh. it is the probability of conception in a month or menstrual cycle, like one month or menstrual cycle. So it's your probability. Oh, can I guess of getting what your pregnant. probability is after one year? Um. Okay. Eighteen percent. No. I don't know. No, you're so way off. Like 18% of people okay. can have, can achieve pregnancy, right? No. If they're trying actively for a year. No, it is way higher. Way higher. Okay. We are talking about people um, who are not trying to prevent pregnancy in any way. Okay, oh, right? okay. So this I'm is, just talking about everybody in life. No, this is like, if nobody was on birth control okay. or using any form of contraception or contraceptive okay. ways or all of the different things that you can do to okay. pregnancy, like including breastfeeding and stuff. Okay. That yeah. Suppress, um, okay. You know that. So um, actually, and this was a large study that was done. 85% of women would conceive within 12 months. Oh no, that's from my, that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my eye twitched a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> preventing pregnancy yes. but what i was trying to say is the probability of actually conceiving in your monthly cycle over the oh. course of a year 
Oh, like what that probability? Is. Yeah, oh, it's no, a it's a weird probable. It's a weird statistic that, that I was bringing up. It, it doesn't matter. Okay, continue. Well, just know. thank you for the eye twitch though, because that really <laughs> made my day. Like it was like <laughs> I know I felt it, you, so I knew. You know the movies when you're like so irritated by someone, you just start twitching. <laughs> that is our relationship at this point. <laughs> She's like, Lies, again. She's, she's interrupted me again, and my eye is like. <laughs> oh man, that's really funny. I'm uh, really sad that that wasn't on camera. No kidding, because that was hilarious. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't Actually, mean to bring yeah, up your was... eye twitching, but no, that's okay. I knew as soon as you bust out laughing, that's it. You know, <laughs> I couldn't help I could feel it. It was quite the twitch. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, how do we get back on track after that? Okay. We can't. So 85% of women would conceive. Sure. Yes. So, wow. That's yes. a lot of babies. Remember, if you're not actively trying to prevent yeah. pregnancy. You're probably going to get pregnant. Unless you have infertility. Yes, which is one in five. 20%. Yeah, I know. Which is really sad. It is. It's terrible. Okay. Um. Well, this funda, fundicability. Fundicability. Okay. What? <laughs> I wrote it wrong down here. Okay, so I was and I was like, wait, that's not the word. And so then I went back. This is a hard time. Fecundability. Okay, so this fecundability rates. Um, it does help to establish when couples should be evaluated for infertility. Yeah. Okay. Let me wipe my eyes. I'm crying. <laughs> okay. The ASRM, which is the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, recommends initiating an evaluation for fertility after uh, that criteria, what I talked about. So 12 months um, of unprotected intercourse. When you're less than 35. When you're less than 35 or six months if you're older. Correct. Yep. Okay. okay. All right. Let's go back to the World Health Organization. So that Christina keeps looking at me and laughing. I'm How not... am I supposed to take her seriously? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to just move on. So <laughs> they conducted a large multinational study, because mm -hmm. they are the World Health Organization after all. Um, and it was with the goal to determine gender distribution of infertility and infertility Ooh, causes. Interesting. Okay. So... Um, and this was that article that had, or that publication that just went out. In yeah. So, um, and it shows that 30 37% of infertile couples, female infertility was the cause. Um, and 35% of couples, both male and female causes were identified. And in 8%, there was a male factor of infertility. Okay. There's lots of different components and pieces to that so just how we just got confused a little bit ago yeah. with my 18 percent, it's different ways of looking at yeah. statistics mm -hmm. they all mean something but not always do they mean what you think they mean yeah yeah because there's lots of different but this factors. yeah this is just saying of infertile people yeah of infertile people yeah okay so the same study identified the most common factors um that are identifiable in female infertility so there are unidentifiable factors. Some people don't know, don't ever know why they're unable to have, to conceive or yeah. retain a pregnancy. Um, so these are going to be identifiable factors. Okay. Um, and we're going to go through each of them. Oh, it's wow. quite a list. Okay. Oh, boy. Here we go. Strap in, buckle up. Strap in, buckle up. Okay. So ovulatory disorders. 25% um, um, of infertile women. Um, it can be a 25%. Uh, it's going to be some kind of ovulatory disorder. Absence. There are lots yeah. of different ovulatory disorders. <laughs> um, there are, oh, let me just talk a little bit more about it. So anovulation is going to be um, without ovulation. So, and so you're absence not going, of ovulation. Absence of ovulation. An egg is not going to be released. And therefore, there's nothing to fertilize, right? Yep. Um, even if you have nice, real active sperm. Yeah. It's got to be an egg. So um, the World Health Organization has subdivided ovulatory disorders into four different classes. Okay. okay. The first one. Uh, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. So this is um, often associated with eating disorders and oh. excessive exercise re resulting in low calorie intake. Ah. So that was really interesting. Well, to you me. just can't. Your, your cells yeah. cannot perform. Right. 
without without proper nutrition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it basically suppresses this low calorie intake suppresses the hypothalamic gonadotropin releasing hormone, um, which stimulates the other hormones required for ovulation. Um, okay, the second one is polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. I'm not going to talk too much about this because we just had an uh, episode two episodes about yes. PCOS. So um, go listen if you want to learn more. But it's yes. basically a dysfunction in the maturation of the eggs or follicles um, that results in an ovulation or mm -hmm. no ovulation. Um, number three is premature ovarian failure. So this is often associated with age. Yeah, menopause. Um, a steady decline in the quality and quantity of the patient's oocytes or eggs. Um, it happens with age. It just naturally happens yep. with age. Um, this was something I didn't really know. I was interested to learn. But the female fetus at 20 weeks gestation um, in utero has about 6 million follicles or oocytes. Yeah. But by the time they are born, they have 1 million. What? I know. I what had no heck? idea. Yeah, I had. What happened look, to the 5 billion? I didn't look into this further. I, um, I didn't go. I, I, I didn't research what happened to them. But um, <laughs> where do they go? They, they, I don't know. You know, they just they absorb. Yeah. Yeah. Absorb. I was so, kidding when then, I said that. Yeah. So <laughs> 6 million to 1 million. And then by the onset of puberty, the number decreases to about 300,000. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It is crazy. So, yeah. Anyway. I have to apologize um, for my chair. It's very squeaky today. It's okay. I didn't notice that our oh, listeners might. They are really going to hear it. I actually noticed more of you trying to get the mosquito. <laughs> There's quite a few. Okay. It's the national bird. It is. For Alaska. Because Alaska Alaska's Alaska. its own state. National. It is a country. Full state. What? <laughs> like, aren't each of the states their own states? No, I said it was a national bird. Oh. And then I said the because state. the state of, yeah, I meant the state. Yeah. Anyway, I try to make it funny. It didn't work. I know, because if you don't get it out the first time, it's not funny. I Listen, do that all the time. It's I think fine. I'm going to say something hilarious and then it comes out all terrible. And then I'm like, it's not funny anymore. Let's just walk away. Anyway. Just hide in a, in a bag. In a I'm bag. fine. Okay. So those follicles or eggs, yes. those continue to decrease throughout the lifespan. Yeah. So um, 300,000 300, at the time of puberty. puberty. Yep. So there are lots of external factors that can influence the quantity and quality of these mm -hmm. follicles. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but smoking has a direct impact on fertility, um, as well as inducing early menopause by 30%. Oh, I know. That's so, a lot. Yet another reason to not smoke or to stop now. Yeah. Because it's just not good for yourselves. Yeah. You know. Okay. Okay. And then the fourth class of the ovulatory disorders, it's a, a pituitary adenoma or it's like a, a tumor. And like we, we were talking about, about that. that. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this recently. This can be benign or cancerous. Yep. And it basically suppresses the follicle-stimulating hormone or luteinizing hormones yep. that are responsible for ovulation. Yeah. So, anyway, reiterating some stuff we already learned. Yes. Yeah. It's all making sense. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, that was, like, the short version of the ovulatory disorders and the list of identifiable causes of infertility in women. Okay. Okay. So, let's talk about some other things. Okay. So, endometriosis, about 15%. Yeah. And, again, we have a whole episode on endometriosis. <clears throat> we go really in-depth on it. Um. And, but basically this is where that endometrial tissue um, can grow outside of the uterine cavity yeah. in various places, mostly the fallopian tubes. Yeah. Um, but it, it causes lots of issues, including infertility. And a lot of women um, find out that they have endometriosis when they're seeking treatment for infertility. Yep. So it's really interesting. Um, of women with endometriosis, 40 to 50% will experience infertility. That's wow. It's that's so much. That's a lot. Yeah, it really is a lot. Um, okay, another one. Um, pelvic adhesions is about 12% and tubal blockages are 11%. And this um publication kind of talked about them together, but because they have they these two often have related causes. Yeah. Um, infection and inflammation are the hard primary regions yep. that these adhesions develop and the scar tissue occurs. Um 
pelvic inflammatory disease is the most common cause of inflammation and infection within the female reproductive system. And there are um, causes of this. Yeah. The greatest risk of infertility associated with PID or pelvic inflammatory disease is chlamydia. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I always <clears throat> think when I think of chlamydia, I actually said this to my students recently. Oh, no. I was talking about the female reprodu or the reproductive systems. I save it for the end of the year. It's a good time. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, guys, guess what it is? I'm like, in Alaska, we're number one. We're oh number my gosh, one. that's terrible. And they're throwing out all these things. And even though I talk about it, you know, yeah. throughout my, my time with them, but we are number one per yep. capita for chlamydia. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately. Anyway, moving on. It's not something you want to be number one. No. Yeah. Um, one in four women with infertility uh, related to tubal issues will have positive antibodies to chlamydia. Oh, wow. Oh, isn't that oh interesting. Yeah. yeah. One study showed that the pregnancy rates following uh, pelvic inflammatory disease were 89% after one episode of the disease. What? 77% after two episodes and 46% after three episodes. So that means that for every infection you have, your um, chances of pregnancy, the pregnancy rates decrease significantly. Yeah. By half, really. Wow. wow. I know. So that's again, insane. That is go, insane. Like if you're having any pelvic so, pain, like don't go in. Go in. I actually tell this to my students too. They're funny. They started writing a notebook of missilers quotes. Okay. I don't oh. know how this is gonna go down later on, but we'll see. But um one of the things that I had said that to is them hilarious. I, I, I want my hands on that book. <laughs> Um, I, but I just tell, like, do not, I mean, don't take chances with your health at all, but like, don't ever let anything go with your reproductive health. Yes. Like, if you are having pain in your testicles, your vagina, your pelvis, like, just go get it checked out. You yeah. Know? If you've got weird discharge, go get it checked out. Like, you shouldn't mess with that stuff. Yeah. You know? I hundred percent agree. Okay, good. I thought you would. <clears throat> all right. Um, and then... Uh, okay, moving on. So other um, tubal or uterine abnormalities is about 11%. Okay. Um, so this covers like all the other issues that come yeah. up. So um, some of the more common causes are fibroids within the uterus. Okay. I mean, these are basically like benign tumors made of smooth muscle cells and fibrous connective tissue. Yep. They can cause no problems or they can cause lots of problems. Um, congenital uterine abnormalities. So this is going to be abnormalities that develop within the uterus during uh, fetal growth. Okay. Um, uh, uterine septum or a wall that develops within the uterus yep. that can cause a real problem. And this specifically can be related to recurrent pregnancy loss too. Um, okay. Lastly, for the most common identifiable causes is hyperprolactinemia. Mm -hmm. so this is 7%. And this is an overproduction of the hormone prolactin that is responsible for milk production in women um, and disrupts ovulation. Yep. Yeah. So an abundance of prolactin can lessen estrogen production causing infertility. Or timed interspacing between pregnancies. Oh, very good. Yes. yes. Thank you for adding that. Yes. So, um, when people are getting evaluated for inter, uh, infertility, there are five diagnostic um, categories. Um, and hopefully, you know, something, an identifiable cause can yeah. be identified and then hopefully we'll aid in treatment. But um, a semen anali analysis. Yeah. So this is um, a male issue, but it can be easily, not easy, oftentimes there's a cause related to it right. that can then be treated. Yes. You know, with testosterone. Yes. Right. Um, but I thought this was interesting. Do you know how many little sperm are in one ml? Yeah, like three how million. How many? Three hundred no. million? Oh no, not that many. Three per million. One ml. Per okay, one so, ml? Yeah, not necessarily per like ejaculation. Oh. Per one ml. Okay. So one million? It's okay. You don't have to guess. Five hundred thousand. <laughs> Twenty million. Twenty million. Yeah. So anything okay. below fifteen million may be the cause okay. of the infertility. So even fifteen million sperm. Yeah, and not just, one can make it. Well, isn't the normal amount of ejaculation three mLs? Okay, I right. So this is per one mL. Okay. Okay. So I don't right. There's more. I just I, I read both of those. Numbers, okay. And okay. this one was I was able to just narrow down a little bit. Okay. More. Yeah. But if you have oh yeah, because then that would be forty five million. Yes. Yeah, per ejaculation, forty five million sperm and can't get one to. Travel. Yeah. 
Right, well, sometimes they can have like these there's long so necks, many, there's so many or they're things. swimming in circles. Yeah. They're lost. <laughs> they're like they're, they're swimming diagonal. You know? They're like, I think I where's the egg? It. Where's the egg? But they can't find it because they're they're chasing their own tail. I know those little spermies. They, um, <laughs> I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but I just it's so hilarious to me. You've seen look who's talking. You had to have. It was in the. Oh no! Look, look who's talking! Like in, look who's talking! The first one with um, uh, with the kids who talk and they're the babies. Yes, they talk to each other. And in the beginning, yes, it's the, the yes. chasing on. They're having these conversations. Yes. It's hilarious. I love that movie. Oh my gosh, that's so funny! I forgot about I that. Know. When I first became a labor nurse, all I could envision was these babies talking to each other. When I was in like, utero. Or, no, well, this you know, this from like, yeah, <laughs> they got something to say, they just can't get it out, you know? right? Yeah, anyway, that's funny. Um, moving on from semen, so an assessment <laughs> of um, ovarian function and uh, um, follicle reserve, yeah. So, this is basically a fancy way to describe the menstrual cycle history. Um, there are labs that can be added to this during particular times within a cycle to provide more information about ovulation because mm-hmm. I'm not, I did not get into the hormonal changes throughout a cycle that um, Aiden uh, pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of hormonal changes throughout the cycle that need to be considered. Um, there are uh, multiple available tests to assess ovarian reserve or how many eggs remain within the ovaries as well. So you can get a good idea of that. Yeah. Um, an assessment of the uterine cavity. So you can take um, a hysteroscopy. Um, you take a little camera and you can mm-hmm. look in there and look at the structures. Um, this is the gold standard for providing direct visualization of the uterus versus like, you know, imaging or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, thanks. Hello, Akiri. Akiri's come to say hi. Hi. Oh, and then I said her name and now she wants me to pet her and probably is going to start crying with delight and laying down. So she does belly. She does cry she cries, when she's I happy. <laughs> she cries when she's happy. She's like her mama. <laughs> yes, yes, she is. She cries um, when she's sad. I know that's so funny. Okay. Um, assessment of the fallopian tubes. So they can do a laparoscopy with a chromo perturbation. Okay. Chromo perturbation. Yeah, and that is basically assessing the fallopian tubes. And wait, really isn't that like identify a blockages? Hysterocelpingram. Well, in or this particular publication, this is the term they use. But okay. it seems like the same thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But they'll generally do it laparoscopically. They'll go in. Oh, they'll be able to look. I see. So it's, it's like so an actual a, surgery. That's more in depth it than a hysterocelpingram. What I think yeah. that they just go through the. Oh, they the put dye and they watch. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So yeah. So this imaging. is more invasive. This is going to be like a direct visualization. Okay. Okay. So okay. yeah, it's different. Not imaging. Like okay. Direct visualization. Um. But they. Oh no. But they do put the dyes through the fallopian tubes. Sure. To see. Yeah, yeah. To see what's going on, and because you can better identify. And sometimes blockage. just like putting the fluid through there mm-hmm. seems to clear the blockage. Oh. Interesting. And then people get pregnant. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. You know, I don't know what the percentage is, sure. but I've, I've heard, but that heard that happening. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, and then endocrino- endocrinological um, serum studies. So just yeah. identifying abnormal hormonal secretions yeah. related to fertility. Um, there are lots of treatments and management options. Um and they are often categorized into medications, surgical or procedural interventions, mm-hmm. um, assisted conception, and lifestyle changes. Yeah. So we've talked about this in a previous episode, but um, lifestyle changes. So women with a BMI of less than 17 or greater than 27 may experience fertility. And something that I just find really fascinating that you already know because you've already talked about it multiple times, I think. Um, studies have shown that 10% weight loss in an elevated BMI will restore normal ovulation. Yeah. 10%. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yep. Just get a little healthy and your body's yep. like, all right, I know what to do. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's in 50 to hundred percent of women in less than a year. Yeah. That they'll, that they'll become pregnant or restore normal ovulation. I'm sorry, not become pregnant, but restore that. Normal yes. ovulation. Um, because there are so many factors that can be related to infertility, it's important to understand, though, that a specific BMI is not required to initiate fertility mm-hmm. treatment. So, um, but it could be like a first, like, let me try this. Here. Yeah. 
Um, okay, next is to correct and treat any known conditions such as fibroids. Maybe sure. it's the fibroids. You go in and remove the fibroids. Or yep. endometriosis, you can, you know, treat for that. Yep. Or PCOS, treat for that. Yep. Um, you know, there can be um, surgical interventions for malformed structures yep. of the reproductive system, stuff like that. Um, medications. Holy moly. Yeah. Medications. Now you were telling me about a medication yesterday. We were talking about this. I can't remember, but you had mentioned a medication that I didn't list here. So I'll let you add it in. Cause it was something that you do. Amara? Use. So, yeah. Maybe that's the one. Mm -hmm. Or letrozole. No, I have letrozole, but you were talking about. Clomid? No, no, no. I have clomid and letrozole is what I have here. Oh. Is what the article talked about. But Metformin? No, I do talk about metformin too. What was the other one you just said? Well, Famara and Letrozole are the same. Oh, it's the, oh, the Famara is yeah, the. Yeah, Famara oh, is the yeah. brand name of okay, Letrozole. Okay, yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Then never mind. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm like, what? I was so confused. Okay. Um, so the most common and first line medication to treat infertility is Clomid. Yeah. This has been around for so long. Yep. Um, it increases the production of the gonadotropin hormone, stimulating the other hormones responsible for ovulation. And many people, women become pregnant. Yeah. Um, after using some Clomid. Um, another medication used is this letrozole. Um, this is used off-label though for infertility, yeah. which is interesting how many off-label drugs we use in, yeah. in our biz. Um, and it was originally developed for cancer treatment and decreases estrogen levels. Um, the article I read, <clears throat> the article I read about it states that this medication may replace replace Clomid as a first-line medication for infertility. Because there are less side effects mm -hmm. and decreased risk of multiples. Yeah. Which has its own inherent risks. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So I think um, it's somewhere. I, did you see how many multiples occur with a Clomid versus a. I don't from, know if I got there or not. I, I think it's have. like 26 versus 18%. Oh, wow. Yeah. But don't quote me on that. Yeah. But it's something like that. Or yeah, it could be 30, 18. I, I don't remember. A it's a big difference. Yeah. And the side effects of Clomid are a little bit more significant yeah. for sure. People complain so, about it a little bit more. I won't be surprised to see if that, you know, has some upcoming stuff happening with it. Um, gonadotropin therapy can be used for anovulation disorders and is a second line medication if the other ones don't work. And, but does require uh, much more close monitoring too yeah. um, than other medications. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is some evidence, though, that the gonadotropin therapy has a greater increase in a live birth than the other medications. Because I guess we do, we didn't talk about this, but we need to differentiate. Like, yeah. If you, you know, just because you get pregnant doesn't mean that it's going to end in a live birth. Right. So, yeah. Um, anyway, something. Which is really sad to think about. It's terribly yeah. sad. Yeah. Um, and then metformin. And I didn't know this until recently because you had mentioned it. We were talking about this. Yeah. I don't know why we were talking about it. But anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. Oh, no, it was in the PCOS. That's what yeah. you're talking about. I brought it up. And um, because then if you can fix yeah. the PCOS, then you can get pregnant. Yeah. So metformin's often used for that. Yeah. Which is a diabetic medication. Okay. Um, or an insulin medication. An insulin, yeah, yeah. improves insulin. So a lot of diabetics take it. But if you have increased insulin, it will help that. Right. Yes. We talked about all that. Yes, PCOS. we sure did. It's all coming back. Go listen. Go listen. Yeah. Okay. Um. IVF or in vitro fertilization. This is another um, uh, way to treat um, infertility. Yeah. My words. Um, this is when the sperm and egg are joined in a, like a dish in a yeah. lab and the fertilized embryo is then injected into the uterus. Um, this is first line treatment for infertility related to tubal issues, right? So if you can't get the tube down, or you can't right. get the egg down the through tube, the tube, then you're not going to get it. Right. Pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it can be used for all types of infertility, um, including recurrent pregnancy loss and unexplained infertility. Okay. Tubal corrective um, surgeries actually, so like if you go in and you surgically correct the tube, they actually have worse pregnancy outcomes um, and a greater risk of um, ectopic pregnancy. So they don't do a lot of that. Because of the scar tissue. The scar tissue exactly. Yeah, it would yeah. make it hard. It, I mean, yeah, the tubes so themselves are very yeah. tiny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and in vitro is very expensive. You know, so expensive. It can be anywhere between ten dollars to $25,000 per cycle. Right. You know, it's very and expensive. it can take multiple cycles multiple to achieve cycles. pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, women under 30 years old have a 44% chance of a live birth in their first IVF cycle. Wow. So that's actually 
not terrible. It's not terrible. It's not great, great, but it's not right. terrible. Yeah. Um, okay. Women under, this is crazy. Women under 30 um, have a live birth rate of between 69 and 92% after seven cycles. Oh. And that's a lot of cycles. Yeah. And very expensive. Wow. Um. That is, I mean, if it's ten, if the cheapest, that's seventy thousand dollars. At the cheapest, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, women aged forty to forty-four have an eleven percent chance of a live birth in their first IVF cycle. So again, that just shows. Wow, that age, that's so sad. Yeah, that age. Oh really man, is a factor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because that's with help. Yes. And then um, after eight cycles, women forty to forty-four um, have a 21 to 37% chance of a live birth. So just not very much. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's something yeah. that not compared to the 30 year olds, you know? Right. Okay. And then there's also um, intrauterine insemination. So this is, I just like to think about this. Okay. Yeah. So they take I, the sperm. IUI. Yeah. And they wash it. They spin it down. They, yeah. And they, and then they, that's the fun part to think about. They're washing the sperm. Anyway, and then they just place it directly into the woman's uterus. I've um, done it before. During ovulation. Oh, you do that? I Yes. Oh, cool. I didn't know you did that. I Well, so I do it. Um, usually one of the physicians um, is managing it. Mm -hmm. But like if it's on a time that they're out of town yeah. or. So, yeah, I've oh, done cool. IUI several times. Exciting. It's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, IUI is often, and same with, um, much cheaper. Yes. Much, much, much cheaper. cheaper and can be successful. Yeah. But sometimes not. Yeah. 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 I have some, uh, I have some statistics hmm. in a second, but these IUI and, um, IVF are often in combination with other yeah. medications and, um, and you have to like, you have to do an ultrasound yeah. to make sure that the follicle is like 18 or yeah. one, you know. It just that it, certain measurements and yeah, certain way. Yep. So IUI alone without additional medication, it's a 4% success rate. Um, oh yeah. These are just alone. Yeah. So it goes up though with um, medication. So um, Clomid alone is 5.6 success rate. Clomid with IUI is 8.3%. And gonadotropins alone is 7.7, .7, but gonadotropins with IUI is 17.1, which actually is the highest mm -hmm. increase. And then IVF is 20% success rate. And this, is this per 100? It should be because yes. it just gives me a percentage. So okay. per 100 or per 100. Wow, that's really not it's that not great. Really that great. Yeah. But most of the time you're using this in combination with other things. And you're doing it for multiple months. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that kind of increases your odds yeah. overall. Okay, yeah. sure. Um complications and risks associated with fertility treatment, as with anything, there's always gonna yeah. be risks involved. So um probably the most the the I, you know, and I guess it depends on how Triplets. you feel about this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this could be a blessing for some and like, oh man, it's going to be hard work for others. But um, can you imagine the, the badassery that women who breastfeed triplets, I know they should get breastfeeding twins. twins. They should get badges. I know. Because let me tell you, doing one is challenging. It's so challenging. All of it. Yeah. So kudos to all you mamas out there with twins and triplets. I know. We salute you. We do. Yeah. We salute to you. Um, so just the normal multiples, and I'm not disseminating between uh twins or triplets sure. or whatever, but just multiples, two or more. Um, 3.4% is just the rate. Okay, just like the natural rate yeah. of occurrence. But 32% with infertility treatment. Yeah. Infertility treatments. Yeah. That yeah. is, that's it. Yeah. So like yep. if you are doing fertility treatments, like just prepare your mind Yeah. for two or more babies, you know? Yeah. Just so that you can wrap your head around that. Because it seems yeah. like a lot. Everyone I know who has twins, I think they just do it. And they're just like, oh, this is my life. You just do it. But yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work. Um, another risk is ectopic pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And this is when the fertilized egg implants somewhere else other than the uterus, most always the fallopian tubes. Um, and it's a medical emergency. I mean, this kills women. Yeah. Um, it, and it does require termination of the pregnancy to save the life of the mother. And so then that's a whole nother 
psychological right. and mental health yeah. piece that has to be considered. Um, anywhere from 1.3% to IVF to some reports of up to 30% with tubal reconstruction will experience ectopic pregnancy. Um, and then this, I didn't know this, but ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. Yeah. So this occurs when the ovaries swell, and this is going to be from these fertility treatments, yep. and leak fluid into other body tissues. So 1% to 6% prevalence in women using various forms of fertility treatment will experience this. And um, some symptoms are abdominal distension, nausea, vomiting, um, enlarged ovaries, third space flu fluids, third spacing of fluids, renal yeah. failure, venous thrombosis, acute respiratory distress syndrome, electro electrolyte derangements, cardiac arrhythmias, and sepsis. Well, that was quite the list. I know. Thankfully, it's just a small percentage yeah. of women who experience that. So that's what I got. Holy crap. I know. It's kind that's, of short and sweet. That's the, that you did the darn thing. Oh, good. Thanks. Yeah. So I wanted to just encourage you if you're experiencing infertility, you know, there is hang hope. in there. Yeah. Um, seek an evaluation with a trusted medical provider, like we always say. And just again, while we didn't really talk about the male contribution for infertility, it's important that both partners are evaluated. Yeah. Um, to just ensure the most comprehensive assessment yeah. to make sure that you can have all of your information and figure yeah. out what's going on. It's not always the woman. No, no, it's not. And so I wanted to end too by mentioning that next week we're going to have an interview with Amy. Amy. She's the developer and founder of Prove. It's a, yeah. um, it's an at-home fertility and hormone test that can help to increase the user's chance of becoming pregnant. And so she's going to talk about her story and um, her product that sounds pretty cool. Helped thousands of women get pregnant. So yeah. Um, yeah. That'll, that'll be fun. So stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. And don't forget to listen. Don't forget to listen or and, share and review, review and all those things. Share your stories. Us. Yeah. Share your stories. Like us with your words. Yep. All right. We hope we, you feel, feel enlightened. We do. Spread love Spread. and laughter. <laughs> Megan's looking at me like, what's next? <laughs> Bye. Bye.